And welcome once again to the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 the number anytime to get a hold of Lior. It is help at employmenthour.com and severancepaycalculator.com as well. You want to find out exactly what that severance offer should be. The real number, the one that's not going to be offered on the PC bottom of your paper for sure, probably maybe 2% of people will get the right stuff, but uh, for the most part, you won't. We'll cover that here in just a little bit, plus some of the most ridiculous allegations of cause that Lior has seen and heard in his career coming up today. These are just beauties. We'll get to that. But first, we always start, brother, with the week that was. How was it? Well, John, uh, you know, great to be back here doing our our weekend show about employment law and uh, workplace rights and, uh, you know, mistreatment in the workplace, harassment. But we try to cover everything and anything in any given show so that people can get the information that they need to solve their problems and be informed and educated and empowered. So if you're uh, working and you don't know what the law says about your work, about your job, about your rights, Tune in, listen up. We're going to talk about a lot of things. And what we're also going to do is we're going to give you my contact information throughout this show so that you can ask me specific questions about your matter. You can call me at the office. You can email me. That's all I do. So I kind of know what I'm talking about when it comes to employment law. So happy to chat and answer any questions. And the week that was is where I talk about a couple of situations that have come across my desk. Now, we're going to spend some time uh, today on, on the show talking about termination for cause uh, and some uh, silly allegations that I've seen over the years. Well, I want to start off on the week there was, but I also talk about termination for cause and just show how the employer got it wrong in a couple of cases that I just saw mm-hmm. over the past few days. First situation uh, involved a lady that uh, over the past few weeks had taken a number of uh, sick days from work. Now, she had some uh, some some health issues, nothing major, fortunately, but she dealt with one after the other, just kind of a, a string of bad luck, uh, some things that, that have happened, and she had to take you know one day here, two or three days there a few times. Now, uh, the company uh, came to her and she said, well, just so you know, you've now run out of sick days, so you don't have any more sick days. Well, guess what? The fact that you run out of sick days doesn't mean you don't get sick. Uh, and she, in fact, got sick again, and, and she had to take another uh, three days off. And when she came back, the company said, well, sorry, you took off sick days when you didn't have any more sick days left. So uh, that that's unacceptable. We're letting you go for cause. Uh, and she was distraught. She called me, and I was shaking my head, couldn't believe that that's true. Mm. Uh, and, and what I told her, well, this is ridiculous. The fact that you ran out of sick days doesn't mean you can't be sick. It's not like you can control it. Now, when you get sick days from your company, that only has to do with the days for which the company will pay you while you're off. It doesn't change the reality that you can take 10 times that if you're legitimately sick. So if you get five sick days from your company, that means that for five days, if you're sick, they will pay you. But you can still be sick for 10 or 15 days. You may not get paid for the other ones, but you still can get days off. So the company can't say... Well, wait a second, you were sick more than it's allowed, and because you were sick more than it's allowed, now we're letting you go for cause. That's absolutely ludicrous. What is the misconduct here? Being sick? Uh, you know, what, what are they expecting her to do not to be? It's just the way it was. So that's not misconduct. That's not cause. So remember, if you're sick and you have that backed up by a doctor, it doesn't matter how many sick days left you have, 
you're allowed to be off work. The company can't punish you, can't penalize you. And if they do, that's wrong. That would be a wrongful dismissal. You have to give me a call in that situation, John. It's like your immune system got fired for cause. It doesn't work that yeah. way. <laughs> well, you know, uh, maybe maybe complain uh, to, to that. Complain to, uh, to the immune system gods. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but you absolutely can't fire someone for, go- for cause just because they are sick. Uh, it's in, in, guess, in this case, it wasn't a human rights matter because she yeah. didn't have a disability. You know, there was a flu and, and at one point she had brown Bronchitis, sure. whatever, just bad luck, but you can't fire someone for being sick. one 821 5900 help at as well. What else you got going on? Well, I spoke with a gentleman who was also fired for cause. Now, he had to work for a call center, and the uh, his employer uh, came to him after a while and said, well, your performance is not very good. We need you to meet these targets. You know, you have to make certain calls and certain uh, sell certain amount of, of items. Uh, and after a while, they came back to him again, and they said, well, you, you still are, are underperforming. Your performance is not good, so we're letting you go for cause. Uh, so they let him go for cause, and by the way, that means no compensation, nor severance. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, and he called me, and he wanted to know if that's legitimate. Well, my first reaction was, well, no, it's not. It's not legitimate because it's difficult to terminate someone for cause for performance reasons unless the person really goes out of their way to, uh, to, to do a bad job. But once we started a claim for wrongful dismissal, we actually got some very interesting documents from the company. We got the uh, the performance documentation for the other employees in, in, in the same call center, and about 75% of them had the same level of performance, the same number of calls made, the same number of items sold. So this person's performance, who was let go for cause, was not any different than his colleagues, and he was the only one fired for cause. Well, as soon as I saw that, I said, well, that seals the deal. If everyone is at the same level of performance and only one guy is discriminated for cause, that's not going to work. Clearly, there's a bigger issue here that it has nothing to do with him. If everyone is performing at the same level, that means that's the level. It means you can't really do much better than that and you can't be fired for cause. And so if you're doing the same thing that everyone else is and they're not getting punished and you are, well, guess what? That actually may be a wrongful dismissal. Uh, you can't be picked on uh, where the company is not doing anything with your colleagues. That would be a wrongful dismissal in this case. And guess what? Full severance would be owed. Well, that's the thing. They can't let him go, but they can't say, you know, no severance. They have to give him full severance and they're, they're off to the races. In that sure. Regard, right? Yeah. I think what they wanted to do here, they wanted to get this guy gone. And you know what? That's their right. They can let this guy go, but they can't try to save a buck yep. by trying to make up allegations of cause where those allegations are, are, are not there, where cause doesn't exist. So pay him the full severance that he's owed. In this case, I assess them as being owed a six, uh, uh, a six months pay. And pay him those six months pay and let him go. You can't make up allegations of cause. It's very difficult to establish cause. And we'll touch about that in a little bit uh, in more detail. You bet. one 821 5900 Help at calculator.com. We'll cover that when we come back as well. Short break here. The Employment Hour just getting warmed up on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and CHML. The number is one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. If you have questions when the show is uh, not on to make phone calls or if you don't want to call Lee or just want to go online, you can go to terminationquestions.com as uh, well there. Uh, chances are your question has already been asked and answered in detail. If not, you can leave it there and uh, Lee or a member of his team will get back to you. Severance Pay Calculator, give us some details on that. We love this tool. 
Well, John, you know, we're talking about a termination for cause uh, and when it's not a termination for cause. And if it's not, that means the person's owed severance. And any regular termination, you're also owed severance. If it's a cost-cutting, restructuring, uh, department is shutting down, the company shutting down, if you're lo- losing your job for any of these reasons, you are owed compensation. You are owed severance. And you don't have to worry about, am I owed it? You are owed it. Yep. The real question is how much severance. So the easiest, fastest, uh, you know, most direct way to find out how much severance, you simply go to severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And you answer three simple questions. Your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And then you're done. It tells you exactly how much you're owed, whether it's six months pay, like I was saying before, 12 months, 24 months, 18, anything at all in between. Find that for your specific situation. And please, please, please don't believe your Uncle Bob when he says all you get is a week's pay per year of service. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It could be 10 times that. So go to severancepaycalculator.com if you lost your job, if you're worried about losing your job, if you're just curious and want to know what if severancepaycalculator.com. You know, I talked about it off the beginning of the show. Can't wait to get into this topic and the list of, of things you have under this topic, and that is some of the most ridiculous allegations of cause that you've seen in your career. First of all, nail down what cause is, right? Well, let's yeah, let's set the stage first about what is really a termination for cause. So termination for cause is the ultimate penalty, is the death penalty that the employer can impose on an employee. And just like the death penalty, it's the it's, it's the penalty that's reserved for the worst offenders. So in a situation when an employee did something so bad, so awful, that the company cannot continue employing them under any circumstances, well, then the company can let the person go for cause, which means the person does not get any severance, does not get any compensation. They are just let go. Now, what I want everyone to understand, and this will become clear as we talk about uh, some examples, is it's extremely difficult to terminate for cause. It's extremely difficult. Most employers pull the trigger before they should, before the person did something that's bad enough to be caused, because the question is not, did you do something wrong? The question is not, could you have done something better? That's not the question at all. The question is, did you do something that's so bad, so awful, that you can, you can be terminated for cause? In most cases, almost all cases, if you're let go because you did something wrong, that still doesn't rise to the level of cause, which means you get severance. Cause is all or nothing. There's no such thing as almost cause. Either you have it at 100% or you don't. And in most cases, gosh, John, I've been doing this for a very long time. When someone comes to me and says, I've been let go for cause, it is very rare for me to see cause actually being substantiated. So that makes it a wrongful dismissal. So remember, very difficult to establish cause. So we've set the table in that regard. So let's go through some of these uh, allegations you've had throughout your career that are just, uh, they're almost laughable, but they actually happen. Number one, employee did not want to change from day shift to night shift. So out you go. Yeah. So think about it. Uh, an employer comes to an employee and says to the employee, uh, you, you work the day shift. You've been working the day shift for years and years, but we want to change it to night shift. Congratulations. The employee says, well, no, I don't want to work the night shift. I work the day shift. I, I, I can't work the night shift. Oh, you don't want to work the night shift. Well, uh, we're letting you go for cause. That's, that's, you're not a team player. You're not part of our team. Then clearly that's cause. We don't have to pay you any severance. Wow. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> Let, let's start with the proposition that the employee does not have a right to change someone's shift that way. That, that would be a constructive dismissal. And for the employee to stand up for their rights, 
for that to be caused absurd and ridiculous. You can't let someone go because they won't do the illegal thing that you want them to do. Uh, so because of that, this company, and this is a true story, had to pay this person significant compensation. It was outrageous and ridiculous allegation of cause. It wasn't even close. Not only did what the person did not amount to cause, it wasn't even misconduct. The person did exactly the right thing. They said, no, I'm not going to change my shift. So they could not have been terminated for cause, and that company really had no clue what it was doing. The one caveat to that, and I know we've talked about this before, if that employee didn't call you and, and wise up right away, if they accepted it and said, okay, I guess I have to do it, and they did that for a few months or a couple of years, and the next time the company decided to switch them back, well, now they've set a precedent, right? They can't do anything about it. Yes, that would have been pretty pretty bad if, uh-huh. if they opened that door by saying, well, okay, I'll, I'll work uh, you know, in, in this new shift. And then after a while, uh, they realized that this was a terrible mistake. Not only can they not go back on it and say, company, six months ago when I agreed to work the night shift, I, I shouldn't have done that. So you can't go back, but you, now you've given the company the right to make additional changes. You've opened that door. So yes, yeah, certainly when you're faced some, with some significant changes in the workplace, you have to always ask yourself, am I comfortable opening the door and getting the comp- giving the company the right to do it again? If you're not comfortable with that, you have to do something about it. Call me. That may be a constructive dismissal. Some of the most ridiculous allegations of cause that we've uh, talked about, we've seen, you've seen in your practice. We'll get to another one here before we break, and that is an employee missed work because a flight home got canceled. This happens quite often, right? Yeah, and, and you know, I did have a case not too long ago where a person was off somewhere in the in the Caribbean on a vacation, no problem, and because of uh, bad weather, their flight got canceled and got rescheduled for the next day. Uh, when they came back to work, the company said, well, too bad. You, you were uh, scheduled to start working yesterday. Uh, you're only coming back today. Well, that's cause. Well, and, and of course, by the way, this co- this employee actually did the right thing and gave him the heads up, called them to tell him, my flight's been canceled. Uh, so I'm going to be a day late to work. Yeah. Well, nonsense. What is this person to do? What is the misconduct they're trying to rectify here, right? You always have to think, did the person do something for which they deserve punishment? Well, you're going to punish someone because their flight got canceled. Well, that's ridiculous. That's outrageous. That's not cause. And this is, again, a company that was clueless in terms of its obligations, not even close to being caused, John. Lots more of these to go. We're talking about the most ridiculous allegations of cause that Lior's seen in his career. We'll take a, a short pause here and get back to more of these and your emails as well. one 821 5900 help at com as well. It's the Employment Hour right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That number. Terminationquestions.com. If you want to find out questions, ask them online to Lior. He'll get them answered or a member of its staff. If you haven't checked it out, severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what your severance is that should be owed. And we're also on the uh, on the television as well. That is the Employment Hour and 30. That happens Saturday mornings at uh, 10 a.m. on Global TV. You want to check that out uh, as well. We're talking about the most ridiculous allegations of cause that Lior has seen in his career. Again, cause, very tough to prove. It's a very... Uh, very uh, fine filter to get through there before it can be caused. And we're talking about some of the ones that have been just outrageous that you've heard of or dealt with people that have called you. Another one, employee did not provide a doctor's note within 24 hours of being asked. I need it now. <laughs> I need it now immediately. Uh, well, you know, if anyone's ever had to go to a doctor, uh, you know, unless it's an emergency, what are the chances of you being able to see your doctor today? Uh, <laughs> probably not. It's not going to happen. If you see the doctor this week, you're, you're, you're probably uh, doing fairly well. So in this particular situation, uh, the employee was off work, and the company knew that, that the person was sick, and the company decided, fine, 
that it wanted a doctor's note. Except what the company did is they, they said, and this was in writing, that we need a doctor's note by tomorrow. And if you don't give us a doctor's note by tomorrow, then we'll consider you to be on an unauthorized leave of absence <laughs> and therefore terminate your employment for cause. Well, the employee immediately called their doctor and couldn't get in to see a doctor for about three days and told the company, I, I can't get into my doctor and I'll, I'll provide you with a note as soon as possible. Well, by the time the person provided the doctor's note a few days later, the company responded and said, too late. We told you we needed it within 24 hours. You didn't. So we're terminating your employment for cause. That was absolutely ridiculous. That that It's literally setting up the person for failure. It's, it almost looked like the company imposed this arbitrary, impossible situation because they wanted to let the person go for cause and save money. That, that was very clear, very obvious. If the company is going to ask the employee to do something, it has to give the employee a reasonable opportunity to do it. They can't say, well, you know, you know, just like if it was a performance improvement plan, you have 24 hours to improve your performance. Well, wait a second. <laughs> Those things take time. Uh, and, and, you know, doctors note the same way. So if a company wants to impose conditions, they have to be reasonable. They have to give the employee a reasonable opportunity to do what is required. And when it comes to doctor's note, if the company wanted a doctor's note earlier, they could have asked for it. If they decided after a while to ask for a doctor's note, that's fine, but they have to give an opportunity for the person to make an appointment, to go see their doctor, to get the doctor to provide the note, for the employee to provide the note back to their employer. That takes time. It can happen within 24 hours. And in this case, again, it was laughable to say that that's cause. So I assure you, John, this is a company that I ultimately made uh, to pay quite a fair bit of money to the uh, to the employee. Any of these sound familiar or in a situation yourself? one 821 5900 is help at employmenthour.com. The most ridiculous allegations of cause that we're talking about here. Uh, this one employee wrote an email to the boss simply expressing concerns over the way the company is being run and got the boot. Yeah. So this person, and this actually happened fairly recently, one of my clients, where they, they thought they're being the the good employee, and they wrote an email, very respectful email, no cursing, no uh, accusations, just here's some concerns that I have about uh, some things that are happening, and here's some, some ways I, w- I would hope we can implement to make things better. Right. Well, the, the, the owner of the company, I guess, took offense to, to some of these things and turned around with an you know, a couple of hours of getting this email, fire the person for cause. You're out of here. Can't believe you would uh, you would say these things. You're not grateful to have a job. So we're letting you go for cause. Absolutely ridiculous. This person did not disrespect their employer. This person did not curse or use foul language or threaten, express some concerns to try to make the company better. And they get rewarded by ter- being terminated for cause. Absolutely ridiculous. Not even close. And by the way, even if the person had gone over the top and used some foul language, that mm. wouldn't have been good. Don't get me wrong. But that would still not rise to the level of cause because it's yeah. that difficult to term, to terminate for cause. So, again, this is a company that really re- – or uh, in this case, it was a boss. It was a small company that uh, you know thought that he uh, ruled the roost and he could do whatever he wants to and employment laws don't apply to him. Well, I had to remind him uh, very gently, actually not so gently, that, <laughs> that the laws apply to him as well as they do to all employers in this province. And if that employer was really you know offended and ticked off of the employee, fine, let them go an hour later, but you got to pay him full severance. Yeah, absolutely. It would not have been illegal to let them go with severance. Right. It may not have been a nice thing to do, but it would have been perfectly legal 
as long as the company paid severance. They didn't. They tried to say it's cause. They tried to save some money. Absolute nonsense. So, yeah, the good news is, despite their efforts, they ended up paying uh, and then some. We'll get to one more of these. Uh, the most ridiculous allegations of cause that Lior seen in his career. Employee, quote-unquote, did not disclose on time. Oh, here we go. The fact that she was pregnant. There's the big one. Yeah. You know, this is probably one of my, my favorites. And what I mean by, by this situation is this particular employee uh, uh, went uh, to, to start a new job, I should say. And shortly thereafter, found out literally within days of starting the job, found out that she was pregnant and didn't tell her company for, for a while. I think till she was about close to five months pregnant. At that point, she told the company, uh, I am, I'm pregnant and, you know, in about four months or so, I'm going to be off. Yeah. Well, the company reacted very badly. They said, well, you probably knew about this even before you started working. You haven't told us. Now you're not giving us enough time to find a replacement. That, that's irresponsible. Uh, we can't trust you anymore. The relationship has been broken and we're letting you go for cause. And my reaction when I heard about that was just, wow. Uh, literally, I couldn't believe that someone yeah. would do that. Uh, it goes back to the basic concept that you cannot let someone go for any reason related to their pregnancy or them wanting to take a pregnancy leave. An employee does not have an obligation to tell the employer at any specific time about their pregnancy. Whether they want to do it in month one or month five, that is up to the um, uh, employee. And you know what? I don't make up the laws, and the law simply says, well, employer, you have to deal with it. Right or wrong, that's what the law says. So because of that, uh, I uh, I really came down hard on this employer. It was a human rights violation as well. And to suggest that that's cause because they weren't happy when they found out about the pregnancy, that's ridiculous. TV show happens, Employment Hour and 30 on Global New or Global TV, rather, Saturday mornings at uh, 10 a.m. If you want to catch that, you can do so. The number 1-855-821-5900 to contact Lior and his team and, of course, help at employmenthour.com as well. We'll take a short break. When we uh, get back, the biggest mistakes that employers make simply because they don't know any better. We'll get to a list of those as well right here on the Employment Hour, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML. The number 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com is the email. And if you haven't used it yet, find out that severance. Find out what it should be, the right number, severancepaycalculator.com. The biggest mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. We'll, uh, we'll rip through a few of these and get you to, uh, to comment on each one. You're not understanding the difference between common law and the Employment Standards Act. John, I think this is an important topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do sometimes... Uh, come down hard on employers, and, and I've been told that. And I want to make it clear that uh, employers do make a lot of mistakes. Let, let's be very, very clear here. But oftentimes, it's not because they're bad or because they want to get away with something. They may just not know any better, and they think they're doing the right thing, or, or in fact, they may think that they're being generous, but they suffer from the same issue that employees suffer, which is lack of information, lack of knowledge. And because of that, they often uh, make big mistakes and compromise employees' rights, and you know they have to pay for it. Yep. So let's talk about some of these mistakes that employers may make, not because they're bad, not because they're they're trying to get away with it, but because they don't know any better. And, and the big one, you know, right off the bat, is not understanding the difference between someone's entitlements under the Employment Standards Act and common law. So, you know, if you're a regular listener to our show, you should hopefully know this. You should know the difference. But gosh, so many people don't know. So many employers don't know. So it's very simple, actually. When it comes to losing your job, termination of employment, the Employment Standards Act only outlines your minimum entitlements. Your minimum entitlements, which are a portion of your full entitlements, 
also known as common law entitlements. So oftentimes what happens, an employer may say, okay, I know that under the Employment Standards Act, uh, John Scholes is owed three weeks' pay. So I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to offer John four weeks' pay. My gosh, that's a week more. And that employer may think, wow, I'm being actually pretty generous. I'm offering more than I have to, not realizing that that's actually wrong. Because under common law, which is what our courts have said over the years, John's calls may be owed eight months' pay. So not only is that employer not being generous, they're underpaying by seven months. Uh, And again, not because the employer wanted to or because the employer was bad. They just didn't appreciate the fact that the Employment Standards Act entitlements, this whole idea of a week pay per year of service, only represents a fraction, a small fraction, of what an employee is actually owed. So that's a huge mistake that employers make. They make it every day. Usually we're talking about smaller employers, but not necessarily only smaller employers. Some big employers make that same mistake. So whether you're an employer or an employee, please understand, please know, that this whole idea under the Employment Standards Act, a week per year of service, two weeks per year of service, that is a minimum, and every employee is owed much more than that. That's where you have to get legal advice. That's where you have to go to the severancepaycalculator.com website, whether you're an employer or employee, works just the same. And, and we should mention that as well, even though they, you know you sometimes get come down hard about talking about employers. You also draft a lot of stuff for employers and save them a lot of hassle and grief later on. So you do work with a lot of employers saving their bacon too, right? It's not just coming Absolutely. down. Absolutely. I work for companies of all sizes all across no. the province, actually all across the country. And, and yes, I, I, my job is to try to keep them out of trouble, to try to make sure that they understand their obligations, that they comply with their obligations. So yes, I, I, I really try to help both sides. Sure. To me, it's about informing and educating, and if I do that to employers or employees, I'm just as happy. The biggest mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better, temporary layoffs. We get this one every week. Yes, this is a big, big mistake that employers make. Huge companies too, by the way. They believe that they can lay off someone temporarily. So you know what? I I don't want to let John go, but my business is slow, so I'm going to lay John off temporarily and call him back in a couple of months if big business picks up. Seems reasonable. Oh, and by the way, I look up at the Employment Standards Act, and it says that I can do it. Well, not so fast. Because even though you can do it, what it doesn't tell you that there is that you really only can do it in one of two circumstances. You can only lay off someone temporarily if there's an employment agreement that says that, that gives you the power to do that, or if you've done it before and the employee lets you do it. But if this is the first time you've laid someone off temporarily, that temporary layoff is actually illegal in the sense that it actually can be considered a termination. So you may not want to terminate the employee. You may think that you can just lay them off temporarily, but the law jumps in and says, no, you can't. That temporary layoff is a termination. Now, all of a sudden, you find yourself owing severance. You you weren't planning on doing that, and that's a huge mistake that employers make. So remember, a, a temporary layoff can't just be done. If you want to know if you can lay someone off temporarily or not, call me. And if you're an employee that's been laid off temporarily, you may well have the right to treat that as a termination and get your severance. Give me a call if you want to talk about that. And this one's a huge one in the uh, construction industry, temporary layoffs. Everybody just assumes it's it's part of the gig, right? And they languish in that way for years. Absolutely. People assume that all the time. And yeah. and in some jobs, it may be an implied term. Right. You know, if, like I said, you know, roofers, for example, can't really work in the winter most of the time. But don't assume that just because you're in construction or any industry 
that it's automatic that the company can lay you off temporarily. Most often they're not. It's not the case. Especially if you've already been working for a while, you haven't been laid off temporarily ever, and now all of a sudden the company comes and wants to say, well, now we're going to lay you off temporarily. Well, no. If that's not hasn't been a part of your employment relationship from the beginning and can't just be imposed unilaterally, that could be a termination that will entitle, entitle you to severance. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number it is help at employmenthour.com. You can catch uh, Employment Hour and Thirty on Global TV as well. That happens Saturday mornings at ten a.m. And uh, we've mentioned it several times during the show. You want to find out what your full compensation, your full severance should be. Severancepaycalculator.com as well. More of the Employment Hour is on the way. Global News Radio six forty Toronto and CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number help at employmenthour.com. We are talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make simply because they just don't know any better. Next one is entering into unenforceable job offers. Yes, yeah. and, you know this is a mistake that employers make, but they they actually it's often not their fault, so to speak. Uh, and so here's what I mean by that: is uh, employers assume that just because they have employees sign. Uh, a document, an employment agreement, a contract, that that contract is enforceable and they can do whatever whatever that agreement says. Well, no. Uh, a lot of times an employment agreement, the contract of employment, the job offer letter may not be enforceable for various reasons. The agreement as a whole may not be enforceable or specific provisions in that agreement may be unenforceable. It's very important to get that reviewed properly and to know what the, what you're getting the employee to sign. And, and certainly, if you're already having an employee, if you already have an employee and you want the employee to sign a new employment agreement and they do, you may think, great, now I have this enforceable agreement. Again, not so fast. If you didn't give the employee something in return for signing, a bonus, a pay increase, a, a extra vacation, a pay raise, whatever it is, if you didn't do that, even if the employee signed the employment agreement, it still may be unenforceable, which means you can't rely on it. So it's not as simple as getting someone to just sign an agreement. The laws recognize that there's this uh, imbalance of power between employees and employers, that oftentimes the employees don't have as much power. So it's assumed that you know if my employer wants me to sign something, well, I'll probably sign it because I'm worried about my job. So that's why the law does provide some protections, and the law says that even if you sign something, you may actually be able to get out of it depending on the circumstances. So the lessons for an employer, of course, is have something reviewed properly before you have an employee sign it. Make sure that you understand what it says, what it means, is it enforceable, and if you have an existing employee, give them something in return for signing. And for employees, two lessons. Number one, don't sign anything uh, when you're employed without getting legal advice. And number two, just because you did sign something, don't assume that it's enforceable. If the company tries to rely on something that you've signed, whether it's a termination clause or anything else, give me a call and I can review it and tell you whether it is actually enforceable. Again, the other side of what you do is drafting proper uh, you know, things like that for employers before they go ahead and make the mistake, right? I spend a lot of time drafting yeah. employment agreements and contracts, and, and if you do it properly, you'll never have a problem. Right. Uh, oftentimes, employers don't. And by the way, John, I've seen employers go online, go on Google, and you know, Google employment agreements. Oh, this looks like a great document. I'll, I'll copy and paste it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's probably something a U.S. document that's a waste of time in the sense that it's not going to apply and be enforceable in Canada. You can't go to Google to find an employment agreement or a contract of employment. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, so if you need an agreement done, have it drafted. 
uh, and and you'll be happy that you did. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. Talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. Another one's believing that probationary periods are assumed. Now this is going to shock a lot of people because everyone just assumes, yeah, three months into the gig, everyone's on probation. Absolutely, employers assume that. Employees certainly assume that. Yeah. Uh, that there's this assumption that it's almost automatic that there's a probationary period. Well, it's not automatic. It's no su- There's no such thing as automatic or assumed probation. Whether it's a week, three weeks, three months, it's not automatic. The only time an employee is actually on probation, the only time is if they sign an employment agreement that says, I'm on probation. If they did not sign that, if the employee did not sign an agreement that has those exact words, then the employee is not on probation. So on day one, the employee is already not on probation unless they sign something. So what do oftentimes employers do? Again, employers that may not know any better, not not because they're bad, just because they don't know any better, as they they will terminate employment off the bat. You know, after a couple of months of employment, assuming well, you've only worked for two and a half months, you're still on probation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know you anything. Well, again, not so fast. Because if there's no employment agreement that says the person's on probation, even after a couple of months of, of employment, the person not only is owed severance, they could be owed a few months severance, even after only working for a couple of months. So it's a huge mistake that employers make that cost them money. So if you want the employee to be on probation, you have to have an agreement that says that. If they don't uh, sign it, then there's no probation. And of course, for employees, even if you are let go in the first three months of employment, you still may have significant entitlements. Now, if, if even if it is properly drafted and uh, someone is on a probation uh, through paper and it's all it's all in the up and up, how long can it be and can it be extended? Well, if the goal is to try to have the employee or to have the employer or give the employer the power to let the employee go without any compensation, right. that period of time can only be for three months. Okay. So there's a three-month period during which the company can evaluate performance and let the person go without severance, but again, only if the employment agreement specifically says so. You can't be let go uh, if you're on probation for more than three months uh, without compensation. But for the first three months, you can be let go without severance only and only if the employment agreement explicitly says so. Very cool. one 821 We'll get to one more before we break. The biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. And we could do, what, 10 shows just on this topic. And that is not distinguishing between independent contractors and employees. Yeah, you know, I, I, I left uh, the best for last, so to speak, <laughs> here. Uh, and that is a, a big mistake. And it's a, it's a complicated mistake because on the face of it, it may seem pretty obvious. I have, you know, Lior said I should have employee sign an agreement. Well, I did. I had the employee sign, uh, the person sign an agreement that says he's an independent contractor. And beyond that, I'm not withholding their taxes. And beyond that, they're, uh, they have their own company. They've incorporated. So clearly this person is an independent contractor. Look at the, at the paper. It says so. No, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to decide. Neither the person or the company or the employee get to decide whether someone is an independent contractor. The law makes that decision. You can only call them that if they are. Otherwise, everyone would be an independent contractor or could be an independent contractor. So if you're hiring someone to work for you exclusively, full-time, regular hours, and you call them an independent contractor, guess what? You're wrong. They're not an independent contractor. It doesn't matter who pays the taxes. They're really an employee. And the employer then is creating a huge liability for itself. 
because it's not withholding taxes, because it's not paying overtime, it's not paying vacation pay, and that whole thing could end up you know, blowing up in their face at some point, and they owe severance, etc. So if someone looks like an employee and acts like an employee, then just call them an employee. Don't try to call them something else. So I want both employers and employees to understand that it's not a question of what you call yourself. If you're uh, working somewhere full-time, if you're working somewhere regular hours and you've been doing this for a while, you're an employee. doesn't matter what you sign, which means you have the rights of an employee. Uh, and a lot of people get this wrong all the time, every day, uh, but it's actually not that complicated if you think about it. We'll uh, fill our last few moments of this uh, weekend show with some emails. It is help at employmenthour.com. You'll want to send one over. In the meantime, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and finding out exactly what your severance should be. Don't call your Uncle Bob or look at the computer or Google it. Simply go to severancepaycalculator.com. Employment Hour continues. This is Global News Radio 640 Toronto and CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. It is help at employmenthour.com as the email from where we are pulling these emails. Murray first up says I worked for a company for five years as a truck driver and was paid based on mileage. I was just let go. Am I entitled to anything? Well, listen, this is this may well be one of those situations where he's misclassified yeah. as an independent contractor, just like we were talking about uh, before the break. So yes, if you're it doesn't matter if you're paid by mileage or by the hour or, or you know by piecemeal, yes, if you're working for five years somewhere, you're going to be an employee. So yeah, if you're let go, you're owed severance. So we know that he's a truck driver working for five years, depending on his age. It probably could be anywhere from six to nine months pay, maybe even more if, he, if he's older. So yes, you're absolutely owed severance. And, and you know, truck drivers, by the way, John, this is very common. Many, many truck drivers are treated on paper as independent yep. contractors. But, you know, you may be right now driving your truck, listening to us on the radio. Uh, you know, you're not an independent contractor if you work for one company exclusively, if you drive for them. Now, if you drive for a bunch of companies, you may be an independent contractor. But if you're driving for one company, doesn't matter who owns the truck, by the way, doesn't matter what you call yourself or how you're getting paid or how your taxes are getting paid, you're likely an employee. Get to Mary here. She sends an email, says, I would just use a severance pay calculator, and it showed I should be entitled to 12 months of severance. According oh, there we go. According to the Ministry of Labor website, I only get eight weeks severance. I don't understand why there's such a huge difference. And who is right? Yes. You know, very good question. And yeah. we, we touched on this before when we talked about the difference between the Employment Standards Act and common law. So who's right? The severance calculator is right. I am right. And the reason why that's the case is because what you look at from the Ministry of Labor is only with respect to your minimum entitlements, as I was saying before. The Ministry of Labor can only tell you what your minimum entitlements are. So yes, your minimum entitlements may well be only eight weeks of severance, but your full entitlements, the entitlements you actually have to pay, including everything, could easily easily be 12 months pay or more based on, again, your age, your position, and the length of your employment. So please don't be fooled. Don't accept less than your owed. And the Ministry of Labor is not somewhere you can call or ask questions of when it comes to termination of employment. You can contact them about your overtime and vacation and statutory holiday pay. You cannot and should not contact them when you lose your job. The email is help at employmenthour.com. The number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Stan says, uh, my employer mentioned to me that no one has worked at the company after the age of 65 because the benefits plan won't cover them. I'm 63. Do I have to retire when I'm 65? (laughs) 
<laughs> Great question. And yeah. the answer is absolutely not. We got rid of mandatory retirement in this province many years ago. I think it's probably about 12 years or so ago now. There's, there hasn't been mandatory retirement at 65, so you can work as long as you want, whether it's uh, 65 or 75 or older. I have clients that have worked well into their 80s. You cannot be made to retire, and it doesn't matter what other employees have done, and doesn't even matter what the benefits plan says. Yeah. You can continue working until you decide to retire. No one can make that decision for you. And if someone makes that decision for you, if someone says, well, I've decided you're retiring because of your age, not only is that a termination, but that's also a human rights violation. That's completely illegal. You can work as long as you want. We'll get to one more. I think we have time for Barry. He says, I've worked for a company for 10 years. Three months ago, I was put on a performance improvement plan for the first time on Friday. I was told my performance did not improve enough, and I was let go without any severance. Can they do this? It, it, it's extremely difficult, as yeah. I was saying earlier, to let someone go for cause for performance reasons. Now, they can let Barry go, uh, but they would have to pay him his severance. So unless the company can show that he went out of his way to do a poor job, doesn't matter right. if he was on a performance improvement plan, it would not be likely a cause that would be a wrongful dismissal. So I want Barry to give me a call as soon as possible. That'll be it for uh, another week. In the meantime, the number to call is one 821 5900 Email help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't caught the TV show, Employment Hour at 30, that happens on Global TV Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. And we uh, made reference to it, used it several times uh, during the show today. That is a severance pay calculator. That is to find out exactly the correct, and I mean correct, severance amount you should be getting if that ever comes across. Severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, it's been the Employment Hour here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto and CHML.